Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Praise the Lord. Would you put your hands together again? And, and uh, what a great job, Pastor Adam. That was wonderful. And uh, how many of us desire to be free this morning? Amen. It's a great desire to be free. If you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to turn to a couple places in Scripture this morning. First of all, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Ezekiel chapter 36, and then we'll be going over to Proverbs chapter 4. And, uh, and so, praise God. We've been in a series this morning. And uh, I want to continue that series this morning. We've been doing a series on freedom. And, uh, of course, this was birthed out of our Monday night Bible studies that we've been going through. We've been studying, uh, been going through uh, this life change called freedom. And through these studies, as we were doing them, I was really changed and moved by the study. And uh, so the Lord just dealt with my heart about taking some of these principles and preaching them on Sunday morning. Because how many believe it's God's desire that we live in freedom? How many know Jesus has made us free through the cross? Praise God. But also, He desires that we live in freedom. And that He came to give us life. And to give us that life more abundantly. And that abundance is not just in material blessing. Sometimes that abundance comes through the freedom of living free in our spirit, in our body, and in our soul. And so we thank God for freedom. We celebrate freedom this morning. And understanding that the Christian life uh, is not just our position in Christ. For we, we have a position in Christ that came through salvation. But also that we learn that we can walk in freedom and live in freedom. And we cannot be tied to our past. How many are thankful you're not tied to your past? And that we can live in a freedom to where we're not under the strongholds that we have allowed in our lives before we come to Christ. And I know many who come to Christ and, and they have salvation, but they don't live their life in freedom because they've never allowed the process of sanctification to take place in their life where they allow God to begin to deal with some of the heart issues of their life. And so they are saved, they're born again. But they continue to live a life cycle that continues to sabotage God's best for them. There are times that they, they re, uh, relive or revisit habits and things in their life that causes heartache and causes them to walk through the same trials and same difficulties, go through the same processes of challenges in their life. And they really never break that cycle. They never really learn how to walk in the freedom of the promise that is in the Word of God. This Word will set you free. This Word will give you the principles of life. It will give you the principles to live in freedom. That, that your mind, your body, and your soul is completely free. You know, my daughter, she attends Oral Roberts University. And I was talking with someone yesterday. They've been having a revival on campus. It's amazing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is happening at ORU. There's been a real resurgence in that school. There's been a real spiritual awakening that God has done. The president there, Dr. Billy Wilson, of course, is an old church of God of prophecy man. A Holy Ghost guy. I remember that when I got saved in May of 1987, I went to Cleveland, Tennessee and went through this Bible training institute. And Dr. Wilson taught the Old Testament. It was a survey thing. And as a young Christian, it was very instrumental in my life. But he has brought a resurgence there to the university. And what is amazing is, is that his motto is, is that God cares about the body, the soul, and the spirit. In other words, God just doesn't care about salvation and our spirit, which is the primary thing, right? How I many know salvation is the primary thing? That if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you need to know Jesus. But it's not just the primary thing. But that Christians walk in the freedom of our, of our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. That we're healthy in those areas. That we're spiritually healthy in those areas. And in our body. That our body is submitted to the Word of God. That our actions, our words, the things we do, our behavior lines up with the Word of God. I know a lot of people that love Jesus, and, but there are things that they do, their behavior does not line up. 
We've been talking on Thursday nights about being an overcomer. How many know God wants us to be an overcomer? And if you obey His commandments and love Him, you will be an overcomer. He has given us the ability to overcome the world. Jesus says you can overcome the world because I have overcome the world. And we overcome the world, even our faith, we have overcome the world. And so there's the desire that God wants us to live in the wholeness of life. Not just in salvation. And many times Christians enjoy salvation. There's nothing wrong with that. But the daily practical living of our lives is always a struggle. And it's times where we lose our witness sometimes. Y'all with me this morning? And we have Christians that are saved and born again, but they don't pay their bills. <laughs> Have I got the right crowd? I don't know. I, uh, they won't, and and uh, are, are they saved and they're Christians, but they still treat people wrong. They're still mean. They still got a mean spirit about them. Or they don't, are, are, they, are they selfish in their, their desires? But God's desire is not just the work on the fact that our spirit has been redeemed, but the fact that He's healing us wholly in our body, that our actions back up what we say, that our worship becomes more intense and stronger, and there's a greater relationship with God this morning. And so God wants us to walk into that freedom. And so we begin by talking about the two trees. We talked about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. We know the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but its fruit leads to death. We talked about that. We talked about the four things that happen when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We talked about the tree of life. The tree of life was taken out of the garden and not seen again until Revelation 21. And when we as believers enter into heaven, we again shall eat of the tree of life. But the tree of life for you and I today is Christ Jesus. He is the tree of life. And we are to eat of His fruit. And there is a, you, you reap the benefits from making choices that are godly this morning. And choices that, that, are, that, that show uh, that we are and belong to Him. I use the scripture Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. I call all of heaven and earth as witnesses against you today. That I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life. That both you and your descendants may have life and live. How many want your descendants to have life? And how many know the blessing of God? It can be generational. How many know the blessing of God can flow into your children and grandchildren? And it can be an heritage in which they, they have and proud of and live through. I'm telling you, the, th the only thing I had to hang on to as a, as a young man was the fact that my grandmother loved God. And she modeled those principles of Christianity before me. And even in the midst of the chaos of my life, it was a little bit of life. In other words, it came into me and got into my spirit. I'm here to tell you that God wants you to pass down generationally the things of God. To be faithful to the things of God. Galatians chapter 3 verse uh, five, chapter 5 verse 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. In other words, you've been called to freedom. You as believers this morning have been called to live in the freedom. But not only to live in freedom, but only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. You know what that means? That means to call on the name of God, but live differently than what the Word of God requires. And so we're not to use as an opportunity for the flesh, but through His love we're to serve one another. I believe that truly freedom puts the desire in us to serve people, to love people, and to do and serve the God. And so this, this morning we want to continue that series. Last week we talked about uh, that when we eat from the tree of life, uh, that the tree of life produces a freedom. And when there is a freedom from eating of the tree of life, there's a spiritual order that comes into our lives. How many know God works through spiritual order? How many know God loves order? Y'all help me this morning. I'll preach till the fried chicken's burnt. <laughs> God wants spiritual order in our lives. If God set the stars in order, and the sun and the moon and the galaxies, if God put boundaries for the oceans and the, and the lakes and the waters of the earth, if God put boundaries for seed time and harvest and for growth, why do you think God would do something different for us? That spiritual order is important in our lives. 
And that growing close to God is walking in that spiritual order. And when we have spiritual order in our life, there is life. And life abundantly. Not only is there life, but we live in freedom this morning. Whoo! I get that this morning. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Come on, how many want God to make you holy this morning? And may your whole spirit, it says your whole spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless when? Until the day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. How many are thankful that the process of holiness, the process of making us whole, that God has a process so that He can bring life to us so that we can live blameless, not blameless because we're perfect, but blameless because we live in the righteousness of Christ. And living in the righteousness of Christ, it keeps us blameless until when? Until Jesus returns. Isn't that good news? In other words, there's an ultimate healing, an ultimate freedom that comes when Christ returns. But He desires that we can live in freedom on this earth, in this hour, in this day. In the midst of the chaos of your life, in the midst of a world that's in chaos, God can give you perfect peace. He can give you life. He can give you that life abundantly this morning. You can live at a level of freedom where you live in the joy of knowing that Christ is alive and lives in you. Whoo! That's good stuff. That can stir you this morning. Understanding that God created us distinctly in three ways. Body, soul, and spirit. That when you got saved, salvation came. Your spirit was made alive. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says your spirit was made alive. Romans chapter 3 says that you are justified freely by the grace through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 says that we are justified by faith and because of that we now have peace of God with whom came through Christ Jesus. You've been justified. Your spirit was dead. Now it's alive. I said your spirit was dead. Now it's alive. You've been renewed. You are a new man in Christ Jesus. Old things had passed away and all things this morning has become new. How many are thankful that the old man died and was buried? The old man does not live anymore. But how many know he tries to come up out of that grave every once in a while and wants to influence your life? You just got to look at him and say, I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. And so we have been justified. Our spirit has been made alive. Our soul has been restored. That's sanctification. What is that? Our soul and body being restored. It is a time. It is, is listen, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. It is, a, it is a time when we are conformed to the image of Christ. That's what sanctification is. The process of freedom in your life is the process where you allow Christ to conform you to His image. How many want to be Christ-like? We're called to be Christ-like. We're called to be just like Jesus. And you can't go wrong if you become just like Jesus. And you cannot go wrong if you'll allow Him to do that work in your life. And if you allow Him to work sanctification in you, all of a sudden your body will come in alignment with the Word of God. There will be a submission in your life that you'll serve Him and obey His commandments and live in freedom. I'm not talking about religion this morning. I'm talking about living free. I'm talking about waking up every day and there's true joy in your heart. Not just happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Y'all hearing me? Happiness is circumstantial. Some of you wake up every day, you're happy. <coughs> Why? Because the government sent you that return check. And you're like, wow, I got my, I got my tax income check back. So I'm happy. <laughs> Some of you happy as gravy and biscuits from Hardee's. I, you know, that's happy. Banana pudding makes, can make you happy. At least it does me. Joys of life can make you happy, but they're circumstantial. Which means that when things are not going good, you decide to be sad. And that circumstances can push you to sadness. Listen, but let me tell you what joy is. 
Joy is that even though the circumstances say you should not be happy, there is an inner peace that God brings that in the midst of trial, there is a joy that passes all understanding. It does not come in a bottle, but it comes from heaven. And it's given to us by God. But I want to talk a little bit this morning about the issues of the heart. The heart of the matter. And so in this, in this series on freedom, I just want to set up the next few weeks with you. And talk a little bit about the value and the power of the heart. The heart has the ability to be the rudder of our life. The heart can be the thing that, we, that is used in order to, to guide and lead our life. It's the heart of the matter. And here in the book of Proverbs uh, chapter 4, um, if you'll go to Proverbs chapter 4 first, we're going to read there, and uh, verses 20 to 23. And, uh, but when we talk about change, when we talk about freedom, when we talk about matters of the heart, and we talk about uh, matters of change, this process that God takes us through that brings liberty and freedom in our life and our walk, we have to approach it a couple of ways. I've learned through ministry that, that a lot of times that our approach to God is, well, if God wants to do it, He'll do it. Well, that's not biblical. That's not how God operates. How many know you have to participate in your own deliverance? God requires you to participate in your own freedom and your own deliverance this morning. But when we look at it, we have to look at it a couple ways. We have to understand that education plays a part in and freedom. There's a side of, of where we learn the side of change. In other words, you search God's Word, and God's Word will give you instruction. You'll take notes, or you'll, or you'll discuss, or you'll have accountability, or that you'll move in a place where you, know, you learn about the areas in which God is dealing with you about. You search the Scripture to know that you may understand that this thing that is going on in my life, how do I bring it into captivity? How do I bring it into a place? In other words, there's the education side. There's allowing the Word of God to be known and to know and the side of it. But that's not just all that God wants. Not only is there the process of knowing, but there's also the experience with God. In other words, God just don't want you just to have a knowledge of what it is to be free. God wants you to have an experience in Him to be free. To encounter the presence of God. To know what His presence is. How do you, how do you, how do you experience that? You can experience it through prayer. You can experience through discipleship, one-on-one discipleship, being in the services, being under services that provide an experience with God. We here have God's ER, where Michelle and Laura and Debbie take people through God's ER, which is a process. It is a, it is a prayer-based process in which you not only learn why you, why you feel the way you feel, but there's an encounter with God. There's an experience with God. I want to tell you, I'm thankful for what I know about the Word of God. But what made the Word of God so important to me was the day that I encountered Christ. When you encounter Him, you know you've been touched by Him, by the power of God. And through His Spirit, you feel Him and know Him. And that the presence of God can be tangible even in our lives. How many are thankful that we serve a God that, that where the tangible things of God can be known? If you turn to Proverbs chapter 4, I want to read beginning in verse 20 and take us and begin to take us through this process this morning. First of all, chapter 4 verse 20 said, My son, give attention to my words. Incline to your ear my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They are life to those who find them. And they are health to all their flesh. In other words, they are life to those who find them. They, it is a, the Bible says that they are as a wellspring of life. In verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life, or out of your heart is the wellspring of life. In other words, it says to guard your heart. Now, it doesn't mean to guard it in the sense where you close your heart off that nothing can get in. 
But it's in the sense that when you guard your heart, what you're doing is, is, that, is that you are, are, are uh, not closing things off, but you are, you are watching what enters into your heart. You're aware of what comes in. In other words, you are guard, to guard our hearts and because why? Because it is the spring of life or the wellspring of life. In other words, that word in Hebrew there means it means it is the outflow of who we are. And translation, some translation says that it's all the issues of life. The word means this, it's where borders are. It's where the outgoings are. It's where the going forth is. It means to break forth, to break out. It means to, it means to stand out. It means to spread. In other words, what uh, Solomon is telling us, we need to guard our hearts. Why? Because and your heart is where the flow of all the issues of your life spring from. And it says it means that it breaks forth. It spreads out. In other words, that whatever is in your heart, people will know what's in your heart. Why? Because it springs forth. It springs forth. And it says it spreads. How many know that uh, things in people's heart can spread? <laughs> I mean, it, it's what flows out of, of who we are. And it it's, it's, it's breaks forth. And it is a matter of the hearts. And so the issues of the heart that are inside... They, they spread through, they fill out, they break forth. We know a person by their heart. Have we not said before, well, I know that guy, I know his heart. We know their heart because we see their intentions. We see their motives. Their heart reveals what really is inside. The heart reveals. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell what people love by hearing what their heart, by what they speak. You can tell what's down in their hearts. And so they reveal it. They communicate it to us. And it's a matter of the heart. In other words, sometimes we say, my heart is like this because my daddy was mean. Or because I've been through abuse. Or an ex-spouse treated me this way. Or a church leader failed me. A lot of times we see... Those are circumstances. And we see that those issues do have an impact on the heart. When people are abused or bad relationships. Or when we, 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 we grew up in situations that were abusive to our lives. Or we've experienced things that brought pain and hurt to our hearts. But those are the circumstances. The real issue is not the circumstances of the heart, but it's, it's those things that have been entrenched into our heart that are now embedded there. And not only are they embedded, but they begin to spread and to spew. Sometimes you know when people have been truly hurt by out of their mouth and their heart, they spew the negativity of that pain. How many know negative people can have a negative response on you? I'm here to tell you that if you're around negative people all the time, those negative people will begin to wear down on you. You'll begin to act like them and talk like them. You'll begin to see life through them. Why? Because that spread, that negativity will spread all over you. That bitterness or whatever it is that flows out of the heart. But we're not just talking about dealing with the symptoms of the heart. The fact that you had an experience that was bad. We all in here at times probably have had those experiences. But have you allowed those things to entrench in your heart which has allowed you to not walk in a level of freedom that God has for you that's greater than what you're living right now? And what happens is we live in a world when people hold those things and the heart becomes bitter, the heart becomes closed, the heart becomes uh, uh, violated. And what happens is there's no freedom in their life. And we come to Jesus and we get saved, but we fail to deal with those issues that have closed our heart or been a part of our hearts. In other words, they're heart issues. You know, the last couple of years here in this church, we've had many that have battled heart issues. We thank God for He has raised up many that have gone through some heart attacks and heart issues. I think of Freddie that's sitting back here who, who, who had died. God brought him back. And thank God for it. And, and Darlene over here who God uh, was on a heart. I mean, thank God they put her on a heart pump that kept her alive for 48 hours. 
And thank God for all those doctors down at Kentuckiana that kept her alive. But man, praise God, it was God that raised her up in the end. I remember sitting with Jean in that waiting room. And I'm telling you, it was hit or miss like this. But we began to pray Romans 8.11 that said the same Christ that died and rose again lives in you. And may He quicken her mortal body that life would come back into her. Why? And so we've had those that have had valve replacements and, 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 and all of these things and the issues of the heart. But it, what is interesting is, is that the one thing that is said about all of those that have gone, there's always symptoms to the heart. Right? In other words, you know, I guess sometimes they can come. But there's always these symptoms that give you an indication that something is wrong with the heart. And what the church has done, we've always dealt with the symptom, but we never did the spiritual heart cath that takes the camera and goes up into the heart and takes pictures of what really is the issue of the hearts. And if a doctor just treated the symptoms of, of, of the heart, then that patient will die. You know why? Because the symptoms is not what needs to be treated. It's the heart itself that is damaged and needs to be repaired. And what we've done spiritually is that we have dealt with the issues and the symptoms of people's life, but we refuse to roll up our sleeves and deal with the real heart issues that are keeping people bound and in bondage and from living in freedom in their life. Now, you may disagree with me this morning, but I'm right about it. <laughs> We can't just deal with the symptoms. Come on, church. Come on. We have people coming in and they're bitter and they're angry sitting in the pews. And worship begins and they can't sing and they can't worship because they can't get over the fact that Lily didn't like Joey's dress. Or Josie's dress. Sorry. Joey didn't like Lily's dress. Woo! Erase that from live stream if you would. Why? See, a lot of times the symptoms will begin to manifest in the heart. You know what is interesting? You know what I read? I was reading a brochure at a hospital one time, and it was talking about giving all the instructions on heart attacks and things like that, and I found it as an interesting read. But one of the things that was there, it said this. It said that many heart attacks happen when people are at rest. And that, and that my uncle, who was 30 years old, was in a movie with his son on his lap. He was watching Popeye in 1980. When the movie came out, had a massive heart attack and died right there in the theater. I have an aunt that had a family reunion. And we had all of our family there. And we left that day. And as we were heading home, by the time we got home, she had sat down at the kitchen table to rest. And she had a massive heart attack and died. And, and it's because she was serving the family all weekend. Her, she had busy activity. How many have read, read actors and things that have had heart attacks on vacation and all of these things because they're at rest? Why? Because the activity masks the symptoms and masks the real issue of the hearts. And what happens is people come to church and they think they can do activity, be religious, do religious things. And the masking of the issues of their heart is masked by the activities of the things that they do in church. They lead the women's group. Or they do this. Or they do that. Or do this. I'm not going to name things because I'm going to get in trouble. But they do this and they do that. But when they slow down, the reason they slow down, and when they slow down, all of a sudden, now God can get their attention at rest. I've met people in the body of Christ they're so, un they, they, they're so giddy and so they have no peace in their life at all. We pastored a lady in Tennessee and she would not stop for five minutes. But she had more issues. But she was always serving, always doing. And, and I'd talk to her and she could stand and talk to you. You'd talk to her for ten minutes and by the time ten minutes was over, you had to go get a nap. She had no peace in her life. 
It was masking the fact that there were heart issues that needed to be dealt with by God. That there were things that were holding her back from the true rest and freedom in God. We've got to stop masking our heart issues. Stop dealing with just symptoms and start dealing with the real heart issues of life. It takes honesty. It takes a brokenness. It takes an unyielding, a surrender to God in order to be willing to say, Hey, I have a need in this area. Are you all with me this morning or am I just... I'm here to tell you that activity mask. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7. For the Lord does not see what man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks upon the hearts. Man looks at the symptom, but God knows the heart. Does God know the heart this morning? God knows our heart this morning. And what happens is, what we do is, is that, listen, please understand my heart this morning. People come in, they have financial problems, they have marital problems, and we take married couples, and we sit down, and I've done this in counseling, and you sit down and you give them strategies on resolution conflicts. Because they're fighting all the time. You give them strategies on finances and all these areas or someone struggles in finance. Listen, some of these are just symptoms. You can send them home with all the strategy you want. But unless God gets to the heart of the issue, which is the anger that is leveled in their life, until that is dealt with, they're still going to fight. They're just going to fight with, with uh, knowledge. <laughs> How many know that's true this morning? In other words, what happens is the issue of the heart. Listen, the issue of the heart is an area that can be managed by man. But the healing of the heart can only come by God. And I'm here to tell you there can be some good things that bring that brain that we can manage are things we go through. But I'm here to tell you, the true healing of the heart can only be done by God. It is a supernatural work. It is not a natural work. It is a supernatural work. And I am here to tell you this morning that God wants to touch our hearts. And so this morning, there are blockages in our hearts. There are blockages in the hearts of the church. There are blockages that we need to deal with. And I'm going to give them to you real quickly this morning. I only got a few minutes. But I want to give these to you real quickly. These are some of the issues we're going to be dealing with in the next few weeks. And we're going to be dealing with them more intently. Why? Because God wants us free. God wants us to live in freedom. Number one, the first blockage of the heart or the issue of the heart that keeps freedom and liberty from coming to us in Christ is the, is the blockage of selfishness in our hearts. Now that does not mean that you don't like to share. <laughs> It means that we live in a society whose focus is always on self. We defend self. We have self-control. We want to be in control of everything in our life. We don't want to give God any area of our life. We want to tell God what we are going to do, how we're going to do it. But I'm here to tell you that it's a blockage to freedom because when you live for self, you can never live for God. And the self is a big issue. Matter of fact, the Word of God, the Bible uses a different term than just selfishness. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 3, verses 14 and 16, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, it says that selfish ambition says this, I am in control, I am going to call the shots. They may say, I'm going to let God have a certain area of my life, but there are parts of my life that God has no permission to have to. In other words, in other words, there are places where we will not allow God to go. In other words, we want to be in control. I'm in control because I'm not going to let no one else hurt me in my life. I'm putting trust in my wisdom and my understanding above what God can do. It says this, it says, do not have selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it. In other words, do not boast about it, nor do you deny the fact that the issue is there. 
Do not deny the truth. When there is selfish ambition that lives in your heart, you can't, you, you have to, you can't deny the truth of the fact that it may be there. The fact that I, I say, God, you can minister to me to a point. But beyond that, I'm in control of my own life and I'm not going to live in that place where I surrender everything to you. Let me tell you what, what James says about this type of wisdom. He says, such wisdom does not come, come uh, from only come, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. And the Bible says that it's even devilish. For where you have envy and self-ambition, uh, there you find disorder and every evil practice. How I many you know that's a strong word from James? In other words, that where you find selfish ambition, he says there is disorder. The word there in the Greek means there's instability and disturbance in your life. Where selfish ambition rules, there is disturbance and disorder in your life. In other words, everything is in chaos. Everything is in disorder. It says, and there is every evil practice. You know what that means? It means that it's against everything that drives you to light. Man, it's a powerful word. It's a powerful word. It means that areas of our life can be in such disorder. It says our spiritual lives can, can end up in evil practice. It means, means manipulation or gossip. But God does not want to be restricted in our life. He doesn't just want some of us. He wants all of you. Not just a part of you, but all of you this morning. I don't want to restrict God in my life this morning. I don't want to put rules and roadblocks to God's work in my life. I want to say, Lord, I belong to you. And you know, the cure to selfishness is this, is surrender. That's the cure. Just surrender to His Word and His, and His commandments in our life. Secondly, it's the second thing that blocks the heart. I use the word bitterness. Now something's happened. Bitterness is when something has happened to you. It's something that has brought hurt to your life. And it's amazing to me that how sometimes mean people can say mean things to people. And that some people can brush it off. But for some people it becomes an identity to who they are. Isn't that unusual? In that, in that fact that they, 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 and when I talk about bitterness, I'm talking about, about this level of unforgiveness that comes in our life. Proverbs chapter 18 and 19. An offended brother is more unyielding or harder to win than a fortified city. And disputes are like, the, like a barred gates of a castle. In other words, they have barred themselves up. A fence has come, and they have barred themselves up. Jesus said in Luke 17, He said, It is impossible that no offenses shall come. In the Christian life, there will be offenses. How many? Let me give you a secret. You know everybody does not like you? I know that's a shock to some of you. Because you think you're so well-loved. But the truth is, offenses will come. Can I tell you, the devil's going to fire darts of offense at you. And those darts of offense sometimes comes in words. I'm telling you, I'm just going to be, Christian people can be the meanest people on the face of the earth. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've had some things said to my face that I wouldn't even say to my enemy. But if I allow that to become a root in my life, and a root of bitterness in my heart, then I'm cut off from all that God has for me because that bitterness has become a blockage to the freedom that is in my life. And many are bitter and they come and they can't worship because on their mind is who hurt them and why they hurt them and can't understand why they can't forgive them. Listen, God wants to set you free from unforgiveness this morning. And many of it comes in word curses. It comes in the fact of what people have said and the word curses that, that people have, 
are not the word curses, but the offenses of what things have done. Listen, forgiveness is a choice. Listen to me. Forgiveness is a choice. Choices lead, feelings follow. Feelings don't lead. Choices lead, feelings follow. You hear what I'm saying? We don't forgive because we don't feel like forgiving. We forgive because we choose to forgive. And we'll learn that Jesus forgave us. Listen to me. Jesus forgave you. How great a price did He pay that He on the cross forgave you? How do we have a right not to forgive someone else when Jesus paid such a price for us? Whoo! Preaching myself happy this morning. Why? What happens is, like I read there in Proverbs chapter 18, that an offended brother is like a fortified city who has bars on its gates. What happens is, you keep the bad from coming in, but guess what? You also keep the good. And a lot of times we close ourselves up, and when God wants to do good things in our life, He can't do them because bitterness has barred the door to our heart, and we cannot experience freedom because God can't even bless us because unforgiveness has ruined our lives. Number three, rejection is a blockage in the heart. Now, this was my issue. I'll just be honest with you this morning. This is something I had to fight through personally, growing up personally. And usually, as I said before, it comes in the word in the form of word, and sometimes word curses. Sometimes jealousy and gossip can be the subject. When you get around people that are negative, and Proverbs 18 says, the tongue has the power of life and death in it. How many know people's words have the power of life and death? What amazes me is people love to talk about other people's faults, but they forget the fact of where God has brought them from. They'll sit, and either out of an offense, they become gossipers because they want God to to, to bring punishment to those that have hurt them. So they become gossips. Why? Because they feel that the spewing of their words will bring a judgment upon them for what they've done to them. They'll put word curses on people. Some of you in this room, people have spoke word curses over you. You've been called stupid all your life. You've taken a hold of that identity and you've walked in it. Or maybe word curses that you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be anything. You can never accomplish nothing. Those word curses get down in your spirit. They become a part of your identity. They become a part of who you are. Because you have been rejected by somebody. Whether a spouse has rejected you. Whether a parent has rejected you. Whether someone close to you has rejected you. And there are many that are living under word curses today. They live under those word curses that replay in their mind over and over and over and over. You're never good enough. You've never been validated. In other words, some of you have not had fathers that have affirmed your life. We are living in the generation when our young men need fathers in this hour. They need young fathers. They need men that will be men. Listen to me. We've not had that modeled. And so what happens is, is that spirit of rejection moves in to every area of their life. They're easily offended if they're not picked to do this or to do that. Well, why doesn't pastor love me? He didn't pick me to do it. He picked picked Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm just as good as Joe. And there can be no intent to it. There could be an innocence about it. But because of the spirit of rejection that is in their life, they perceive that someone has singled them out and separated them aside, and they become offended. And in about two months, they sit in my office so mad at me, they cannot even see straight. And and it's because they got mad because I said something or did something. And then when you begin to investigate, the root of the heart was, I chose Joe instead of them. Now, that didn't really happen. I'm just telling you, I'm just giving you what happens in our lives. Rejection carries a perception of its own. It's wrong. It's a lie. 
It says you're not loved or you're not cared for or that nobody values you. I'm here as long as you're a child of God this morning. You have value this morning. Don't let anybody tell you any difference. The spirit of rejection will come. And they'll be labeled without an identity. And they'll live without identity all their life. I'm here to tell you that it's, it's a powerful thing. It's real. It is a real issue of the heart. As a church, we cannot not deal with it. Bitterness is a real issue of the heart. Are you hearing me? It's a real issue of the heart. Selfish ambition is a real issue of the heart. And finally this morning, the last blockage is evil thought. I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 7. I want to read these last couple of scriptures. The book of Mark chapter 7. In verse 21. I want us to read this together this morning. Jesus used this phrase. You know what evil, this word evil thought or evil thoughts. You know what it is. It's, 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 it's in this area of our life where we've allowed pollution to come into our life. It's the area of where our fallen nature as men. We have, listen, you have a spiritual, you have a hard drive. And over the course of your life, you've allowed things to get on your hard drive. You've allowed, I don't know about you, I have things in my life, I am not happy about what I've done. Is there anybody else? I mean, I think about, oh Lord Jesus. If some of y'all, if it ever, oh man. You know, and you think God don't, oh my, don't ever let that come to life. Light, you know what I mean? We all have a hard drive. We all have allowed things in our spirit and things in our life. We've opened ourselves up to things that have come into our spirit. We've allowed evil thoughts and evil deeds to... Listen, we were all... Listen, don't act so holy. You weren't real holy before you came to Jesus. Some of you, that, that, that rewind is happening right now. And you're going, oh, I forgot about that. Ooh, well. Right? But it's been put on your spiritual hard drive. It's been put on the hard drive of your heart. It's been a part of your life. It's been a part of what, what, is, what is in you. And sometimes we gotta, we gotta, that hard drive's got to be cleaned. That hard drive has to be washed. And the Bible says that that freedom comes by the washing of the water of the Word of God, which is life. Jesus can wash away all of those consequences. But the truth is, we've allowed them into our lives. What are they? Mark chapter 7, verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of men, you hear what it says? Out of the heart of men proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they what? They defile a man. And what happens is we've not allowed our spiritual hard drive to be washed. I'm here to tell you freedom comes when you wash that spiritual hard drive in your life. When you allow God to heal. Listen, have you ever had regret about things you've done? Have you ever had regret about things you've done to people? And allow God to wash that and cleanse that. That that comes from our fallen nature as men. Or as man. But listen, this process of washing us, this process of cleansing can only come if we allow God to do it. Listen, for God to heal selfishness through your surrender, only God can do that. For God to heal forgiveness and bitterness in your life, only God can do that. Only God can do that. Only God can wash us and cleanse us. Only God can heal the rejection in our life. Only God can wash away some of the things that we did. In closing tonight, turn or this morning, turn to the book of Ezekiel chapter 36. Adam, would you come? Listen. In the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with some of these issues and we're going to talk about the transformation of the hearts. But I'm going to leave you this morning 
with a key or two of how to begin to transform the hearts. Maybe you're here and you've got heart blockage this morning. And maybe the symptoms are in your home or the symptoms are being outflowed or spread out of the outflow of your life. First of all, you can never begin to deal with the heart issues until first you begin to understand that you first have to be born again. You first have to know Christ as your Savior. The greatest decision I made was March 1st, 1987. Antioch Baptist Church. 1411 Antioch Road, Johnson City, Tennessee. 37650. 10 minutes to 11, Classroom 102. Paul Garland teaching on the book of Acts. Teaching on the Apostle Paul's conversion. 10 minutes to 11, I gave my life to Jesus. I knelt down and gave my life to Jesus. And that began the process of the healing of God in my life. I had salvation, but when I got up from there that day and walked out of that church, I had to make a decision that I was going to allow freedom to be brought into my life through the process of sanctification. I had to allow God to work in my life. I had to to allow God to help me to forgive people that have done some horrible things in my life. I had to allow God to work in me things that I did not get from not having a spiritual or a Christian home. I had to learn how to walk in the newness of Christ. I had to learn how to relate to people and how to forgive people. How to walk upright in the Word of God. How to live my life as an example of Christ even though it's not perfect. But I had to learn the principles of the Word of God. How to treat people. How to pay tithe. How to love God. How to serve God. How to turn away from wicked things. How to honor a woman. How to be a good husband and a good father. How to honor God with my speech and the things I said and the way I walked. You think all that happened in two weeks? It's been a lifetime and it's a work that is still going on. It is a process that still happens in our life. We always have to be dealing with the issues of heart. Why? Because until Jesus comes and we see Him and we be like Him, and once we've been made perfect in His image, we will always be dealing with the issues of the hearts. But you have to say this morning, I'm not going to allow heart blockage in my heart. And the first blockage you've got to clear out, and I don't know if you need a stent or if you need a bypass, but whatever you need this morning, you need to have it done. The first thing you need is Christ in your life. Accept Jesus as your Savior. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I once, I'm a sinner. There's humility in that. It's to say, God, I humble myself before you. I recognize that I'm fallen. I'm not perfect, but I'm fallen. But only you can forgive me and wash my heart and give me eternal life. Whew. That's good news. That's the best news you'll hear all day. I don't care if the Colts do win today. That's the best news you'll hear all day is that Jesus saves The best news you'll hear all day, Doug, the best news you'll hear all day is not when your grandma says, dinner's ready, come get the cornbread. The best news you heard today is that Jesus saves and that He forgives. He washes us. It's a message this world needs. It's a message that we need to be carrying. And the reason we don't carry it, because we got heart blockage. And we're not free, so we don't feel free to share Christ. Lord Jesus, help us this morning. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26. I will give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit within you. Whew. I will take the heart of stone. You know what that is? That is a heart that is, that is, it is a heart that is bitter. It is a heart that is, that is cold, that is rejected. A heart that is evil. A heart that is bitter. A heart that is self-serving. He said, I'll take that heart out. And he said, what? I'll replace it with a heart of flesh. You know what a heart of flesh is? It's a heart that's tender. It's a heart that's receptive. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. That's the better life. That's the better life. That Jesus is in the heart. And in, while he's in your heart, you live an abundant life, full life. And then it says this, then he puts order in our life. That you may walk in my stature, and you will keep my judgments and you will do them. You know what that is? That's order. 
That's order. That's order. That's spiritual order in your life. Stand with me this morning if you would. Listen. This is what I want to ask you to do this morning. This is the prayer. This is my invitation this morning. Over the next few weeks, we're going to deal with some of these issues that I mentioned. And what I want you to do, I want this prayer. I want you to have this prayer this morning if you're here. I want you to pray this prayer. The first prayer I want you to pray is that, that God, I invite the Holy Spirit to show me in my heart any area that needs to be touched by God. Can we pray that prayer this morning? Just say it. Say, Lord, show me. And sometimes we may not know. Sometimes it takes the Holy Spirit to show us. I like the prayer of David. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense that is in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. How many know that's a good prayer? You can't change what you don't see. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will take His finger and just move around this room and just begin over the next few weeks put His finger on your heart that you become aware of the things that God is speaking to you. Secondly, I want your prayer to be God, invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Say, change me. David said it like this, Lord, create a pure heart in me, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know what? God can change you right where you are. But you know what? I think there's greater power in when we ask Him. Say, God change me. God show me. And then your third prayer this morning is God invite the Holy Spirit to fill me. Say, fill me. Listen, here's a spiritual principle. When something has been emptied out spiritually, something has to be replaced. The Bible said when Jesus delivered those that had demons, that it said seven came back. More stronger than the one that was free. So if you release something to God, you have to be filled with something, which is His Spirit. Listen to this promise that is given to us in Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk with wine. Everybody thinks that's a drinking scripture. That's not a drinking scripture. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Well, tell us something we don't know. But it says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, be filled. You know what that word be filled there means? It means this. It's present tense. It means now. It doesn't mean I was filled. It means now, right now. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Right at the moment of decision, be ye filled. That you may walk after the Spirit and not, what? And not give in to the desires of the flesh. In other words, God fill me. Say, God show me. God change me. And God fill me. Hallelujah. You're here this morning, you don't know Christ, you'd like to see Christ as your Savior. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I'm ready to make a decision today. Just lift your hand up. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to play church games. Either you want to get saved or you don't. Don't walk out of here not knowing Jesus, y'all. Good day to make him your bro. <laughs> you want to receive Christ? Just lift your hands. Say, Pastor, I want to receive Christ. Those of you that stand and remain this morning, this is my prayer for you this morning. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. If I preach something this morning, any of these four heart blockages that has ministered to you this morning, I want you to know 
God knows the hearts. Man sees the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And if you'll say that prayer this morning, God, show me. God, change me. God, fill me. He will free you this morning. Now just take a moment and begin to worship Him. That touched your heart this morning. Just begin to talk to Him. Say, Lord, forgive me of the unforgiveness that is in my heart. Forgive me of the bitterness. God, forgive me. Bring joy into my life. If you have selfish ambition this morning, come on. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. It's your prayer. It's you and Him. It's nothing I can do. It's you and Him this morning. If you're here this morning and you realize that you've been, you felt rejected, you felt the feeling of rejection and you not realize that you feel that feeling, I'm here to tell you He'll be your Father this morning. He will affirm you that He has put His Spirit in you. We're going to pray this prayer. Father, we lift our hands this morning as a sign of surrender. I sense the work of your Holy Spirit happening even at this moment. God, I believe you're working on the hearts of people. And I pray this morning, in the next few weeks as we go through this series on freedom, I pray, God, that you will show me my heart. Show me my heart, God. Show me my intents. Show me my motives, God. Show me, God, where... I have fallen short, God, that I may deal with the issue of my heart, that, God, that blockage may be free again, that the blood flow of my heart may be pure this morning. Not only show me, God, but change me. I don't want to have a mean spirit. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to have a hard heart towards you and towards worship. I don't want... I don't want... To fall into habits that have sabotaged my life. I want to let go of pain and let go of the things that have held me back. Change me. I want to leave here changed this morning. Finally, God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with joy. Come on, lift your hands this morning. Just receive the presence of God. Just be filled with the Spirit of God. Be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Be ye filled with the Spirit of God this morning. Worship Him this morning. Come on, worship Him. We worship you. Come on, worship. Shows of mercy and grace. Freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Shallows of mercy and grace. Fill me on every face. dismissed this morning Friday night a young man got up to give a testimony his testimony is now a pastor but he was put in jail for three years and uh, he said for three years while I was in jail I read the word of God every day every day he said when I got out of jail he said it wasn't eight months later I was back in jail he said for three years I read the word of God 
He said, it's just I got this knowledge of the Word of God, but when I went out and when I came back in jail, I realized that though I had a knowledge of the Word of God, I never let the Word of God change me. So the issues of my heart were still there. And so I went out and sabotaged my life even though I had a knowledge of the Word of God. He said, when I began to deal with the issues of my heart, the rejection, the orphan spirit I had, the pain and the bitterness, I spent a year in jail again and God healed me. And when I came out, it was like I walked out into a new day. He's now a pastor. He's never committed a crime since. Thank God. <laughs> if you're a pastor, that's not a good idea. It's not a good career move. You know what that tells me? It tells me that we just don't need to have a knowledge of God. We need to let God work in our hearts. Father, thank you for this morning. I feel like, God, that the Holy Spirit was like a deep surgeon that came into the operating room this morning and began to work on the hearts of men. I believe a lot of work got done this morning. And I believe the evidence of that heart work will be seen. We thank you that you free us, that you came to give us life and to give us that life more abundantly. That in Christ Jesus, we are free. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering? Thank you this morning for being patient and listening. Would you welcome our guests this morning and love on them and let them know we appreciate them being here. Enjoy your day. God bless you. We'll see you Thursday night. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.